We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with chess players, personalities, authors, and adult improvers about their lives, their careers, and about chess improvement. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We have an exciting guest for you this week talking about an exciting event. But first of all, I wanted to apologize that this is coming out a little late this week, um, but I think it'll be worth it as you'll hear why in a minute. Uh, another thing, we're going to do a rare two-part episode. So in this episode, my guest and I will be discussing the one of the biggest events of the chess year, as we'll we'll introduce in a minute, um, and then we'll this guest, of course, Daniel King, as you saw in the title description, has a varied career with a lot to talk about beyond that. So what we'll do is we'll have him back um, in a matter of weeks to discuss the rest of his career. But for this one, he's been doing an excellent series on his very popular YouTube channel, Power Play Chess, previewing the candidates. He is jetting off to Ekaterinburg for the tournament itself uh, to be one of the announcers. Um, and of course, beyond that, he's a well-known author, YouTube presenter, uh, announcer, journalist, grandmaster, 
Uh, he's he's won some tournaments in his day, of course, co-first in the Sydney Open, champion of the Bunrati Masters, and now he is joining us on the show. Grandmaster Daniel King, thank you for coming on. Hi, Ben. Nice, nice to speak to you. So you've been super busy and you're only going to get busier, right? You're heading off to Russia in a couple of days? Yeah, as ever, before you go away, a million things to do. And, um, you know, I'm pretty excited about the tournament. Um, uh, for me, the candidates is always a highlight. It really is. Every two years we have it now. And really, you know, there are some players who I feel have been working towards this tournament and only this tournament over the past couple of years. For example, Anish Giri, I think that's been the only thing in his mind over the past couple of years, actually. Yeah, you mentioned, uh, so I mentioned you've done, you've been uh, putting out an excellent preview series on your YouTube channel. I'm a big fan of your channel. I've been a Patreon supporter of your content for a while. And I saw you mentioned in the Anish Giri preview that you felt like he he wasn't revealing his best stuff recently. Um, so we'll get to that because if you're up for it, Daniel, I'd kind of like to take it player by player, uh, sure. do like a uh, truncated version of what you've been doing on your YouTube channel, minus the chess games. And I, of course, encourage <laughs> listeners to check out the actual previews that Grandmaster King has been doing. But before we do that, Daniel, we got to start with the big breaking news in the chess world. So uh, regarding the candidates, but just to set the scene for any listeners who don't know, you've probably heard us talk about it before here on this show and elsewhere in the chess media landscape. But March 15th to April 5th, Ekaterinburg, Russia, double round robin tournament with eight participants. And of course, the winner of this tournament will be challenging Magnus Carlsen if we're not in some sort of global quarantine <laughs> come come November and December. Um, so that's the that's the the big background that we've all been aware of. But the breaking news, of course, was that Grandmaster Timur Rajabov recently withdrew, and suddenly um, Maxime Vashir Lagrave, who a lot of people felt should have been in the candidates to begin with, um, is is riding in on his white horse to to join the tournament. So, Daniel, what was your reaction when you heard this news? Well, um, of course, slight surprise. But given the, the climate we're in, um, in some ways, it, not, not totally surprised that one of the players, or you know, possibly some, you know, there, there would be some issue. And obviously FIDE uh, are very keen to you know, be absolutely certain the tournament is going ahead and they issued an ultimatum. Um, I, I respect Rajabov's decision. Um, you know, you can't play a, a decent game of chess if, in the back of your mind, you have some kind of doubt. And I think he, he was right to, to ask for guarantees. And if he felt that um, those guarantees, well, weren't satisfying him, then he was right to withdraw. Now, obviously, the other players feel that um, everything's okay. And as far as I understand, there are going to be uh, medical checks and, you know, people will be checked as they're entering into the playing hall. And so, you know, I think it's okay, basically. But if Rajabov wasn't happy, then he was right to withdraw. So I completely respect his decision. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky issue. Um 
you know, there's been a lot of, I've seen people arguing online for, for either side. Of course, there's a, a vocal contingent online who says the whole um, concerns about COVID-19, the coronavirus, are overblown. Um, that's, but as you say, it's a personal decision. Uh, Roger Bob has a family, um, and he, he needs to do what he thinks is best for his career and his family, and, and that should be respected. Um, mm. And of course, there's, there's a bright side to it in that, that a lot of people felt like uh, Maxime Vichir-Legrave should be in the tournament to begin with. And he wrote a nice little blog post. He seems excited to play. He does not seem um, in any way bothered by the circumstances under which he's, he's getting in. So it's, um, it's exciting to have a player of his caliber jumping in. No, I mean, I'm, I'm really pleased for Maxime. Uh, I think he did have a, a good call to to actually get into the tournament, uh, so it's great. And um, you know, he has been in the in the top ten in the world for the past four years. Um, won the Sinkfield Cup in 2017. Well, you know, he should be a candidate. Yeah, yeah. Many people have been have been arguing that for a long time. And as you mentioned in the preview that I was able to just watch before we started recording, Daniel, because I know you just released yeah. it today. But uh, I saw you mentioned that, of course, this is uh, Maxime Vichir-Legrave's first candidates, yes. um, which is a bit of a surprise given the fact that he is uh, 29 years old and that, of course, he's so strong and he's he's a perennial top 10 player. Yeah, but I mean, you could also argue that well, he's had his chances. There are various routes into the candidates. And, you know, if he couldn't cut it, then he doesn't deserve to be there. So I think, you know, it's just how things are. You yeah. know, you've, the, the FIDE have their rules and they have uh, methods of qualification and those, ru- and those rules are set out. So there we are. Yeah, I was very clearly in that camp. Um, I mean, it's it's unfortunate. And you'd like to see him, but as you say, mm-hmm. he he knew what needed to be done. The World Cup, the opportunity was there before him. Um, so I'm with you. But anyway, I mean, I, I'm just glad that the field is set, and you know, it's starting in a few days. I, when you're leaving in a few days, I'm sure. So I yep. just hope there's no more issues. I mean, the news flow is so fast lately um, in the broader world as in the chess world. Yeah, I mean. You know, I kind of feel the same. You know, I'm I'm very excited about the tournament, but frankly, I'm nervous as well. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's hard not to be. And then, of course, even if we get through this, we have to worry about the World Championship uh, being able to go on as scheduled. It's, it just seems hard to plan anything in this environment. Well, I mean, at least the World Championship, that's a very long way off. But actually, you know, there's the Olympiad to think of. Oh yeah, that's which is a more serious thing. Yeah, that's well, a I don't say one. more serious, but I mean in terms of the number of players. Yeah, but, and the logistics. You know, at the moment, we have the the World Senior Championships taking place in Prague, and the Czech government have just issued, um, uh, well, a statement saying that events, sporting events, or cultural events with over one hundred players should not take place. Now, there are currently 400 players playing in Prague in the middle of the tournament. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and it's, a as you say, a senior tournament, no less, which is, of yeah, course, right. a, a higher risk population. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, hopefully, hopefully everyone comes through healthy and we're able to put on this event. It's a tough situation for FIDE. FIDE is always... Always gets criticized a lot, sometimes justifiably, but in this case, uh, there's no ideal, there's no ideal solution for them in terms of what to do about staging the tournament and, as you say, staging bigger events like the Olympiad later this year. Yeah, I mean they have 
you know, put in place, uh, you know, pretty stringent checks. So as far as I understand, so I think, you know, we have to rely on that. Yeah. And, and this one with eight participants, as Fide said, I mean, there it's, it's should be manageable, um, eight young and healthy participants. So, um, presumably healthy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Daniel, if you're up for it, I'd like to just break down the players a little bit, but first, sure. um, first I'd like to take a break to hear from Chessable. Guys, I wanted to let you know about Chessable's latest offering, The Black Lion by Grandmaster Simon Williams, a.k.a. The Ginger GM. What's The Black Lion, you ask? It's a modern version of the Philidor defense with what Simon calls a risky version or a safe and solid lion. Simon has been working on a video course to go along with it that's over 13 hours long. It's on sale now, so if you're looking for a lion against 1E4 or if you're just a fan of The Ginger GM, go to Chessable.com and check it out. So, Daniel, before we get into just a quick discussion of every player, I wanted to read a question from friend of the podcast, I am Kari Christensen, although it really it's um more of a, I mean, you'll, you'll hear what he has to say. He's, uh, so Kari says, it's not as much a question as a comment to Daniel King before the interview about the candidates tournament. When you read or listen to predictions about the candidates, it will often sound as if these fantastic players have at least a total of 200% chance to win because it's much more convenient and easy to praise than to be realistic. So my Mm -hmm. message to Daniel is besides going through all the participants, which I'm sure you can do in a both interesting and brilliant way, please add a percentage chance to win the tournament and the number should only add up to 100 smiley face. Oh my word. I mean, I find that so difficult. Yeah. You know, I prefer to um, give strengths and weaknesses of the players. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not a gambler. Yeah. You know, I, I flutter the odds, the odd fiver now and again, but basically (laughs) I'm not a serious gambler and I don't look into odds and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, I'm going to find that really difficult. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll provide the I'll provide the strengths and weaknesses, Ben. If if you want to put a number to it, you're welcome. Well, here's what I did. I had a feeling you might say that just because. First of all, um, yeah, that first of all, that's that's a challenging request from uh, I am Christensen. And the other thing is, um, you're announcing the event, and um, sometimes that can make one feel a little bit. Um, like they shouldn't just like say Alexenko can't win it or something <laughs> when yeah. you're going to, when you're going to be announcing it. Um, Precisely. So, and the other thing I did is I looked up the odds on Unibet. There actually is a betting market on Unibet in the UK. <laughs> so, um, so rather than um, have you sit here in Hammond Hall and dodge my questions about <laughs> the, the percentage <laughs> odds, I'll just, when I read the introduction, I'll also include the Unibet odds. And then you can just talk about the players uh, more generally. Um, one thing I'll point out as someone who has been a professional gambler in his life is the Unibet odds, even these add up to like 113% or something, but... <laughs> But, you know, the casino has to get paid. So, <laughs> so okay, well, that, that's, uh, that's wait, in the right ballpark, at least. Okay, that, this sounds like a good deal. All okay, right. excellent. So we'll take them in alphabetical order by last name. Um, so we will begin with uh, Grandmaster Kiro Alexenko from Russia, age 22, rating 2698, world ranking number 39, Unibet odds 1.2%. So, uh, Daniel, for the, for those who don't know GM Alexienko, and he's probably the least known in the field, what could you tell us about this young man? Uh, 1.2%. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> Very precise, right? <laughs> yeah, really precise. Not, not 1.3. Wow. Right, um, right. 
So he was announced as the wild card by the Russian Chess Federation uh, after his result at the FIDE Chess.com Grand Swiss Tournament in the autumn, where he was th- actually third on tiebreak. Um, well, you know, he's a young guy. He's uh, 22 years old and he doesn't have much experience at the elite, at the elite level. Um, I think that's one thing to note that, you know, he's come through the ranks in Russia, which is pretty amazing in itself that, you know, that that's a chess education. Um, but I think he's a real dark horse because what I've, seen over the years is that a lot of players who suddenly start playing in elite tournaments the top guys don't actually know how to handle them very well because they haven't seen much of their chess so for example we have Ali Reza Firuzja at the moment who is just starting to play big tournaments and I think the top players haven't quite got a handle on how to, how to face him at the board. And so I think, let's turn it around. The top players, the, the other players and the candidates, I think won't have it easy against him. I think it's going to take time for them to kind of aim and fire, if you see what I mean. Um, he says that he prefers complexity to simplification. Uh, well, that might be so, but for me, when I see his style, he has that kind of formal style, which is so typical of Russians. You know, he doesn't like to play with an unsound pawn structure. You know, he does things correctly, and that can lead to complex situations, of course. But there's still still something very responsible about his play. play. Um I think it would be extremely unlikely if he won. But we might get to a situation where the top players, you know, they might be targeting him. And it could be that their results against him will determine the winner. So obviously he has a big part to play in the tournament. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And being that he's the youngest participant, that always... um, I'm always on the lookout for the young guns. So, you know, 22... In chess, that's middle age these days, but still, um, <laughs> he's uh, young enough to um, to be dangerous. Um, okay, De- uh, definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. And uh, next up, uh, Grandmaster Fabiano Caruana from the USA, age twenty seven, rating twenty eight forty two. Of course, the number two in the world, the former world championship finalist, played Magnus Carlsen in two thousand eighteen, as listeners very likely know. And his Unibet odds are listed at forty five percent. 45 i like that i'm surprising you with these odds that that you don't have prior i mean of course they're they're not shocking you i'm sure but (laughs) um no but i find 45 interesting actually um i would have well there you go having said that i know next to nothing about betting i'd have put that one up a bit wow that's quite an endorsement 45 is very high when you have a field of eight players is that high yeah okay Maybe I've got it wrong. That shows how completely clueless I am yeah, about Well, you'll, you'll hear as you hear the other players, because when someone okay. like uh, Grishuk only has a 12% chance, Ooh. you know, like, um, okay. but but I, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, he Fabiano is just, he's, uh, this side of Magnus Carlsen, he's seemingly invincible. 
He's playing so well at the moment. I think what would impress me about his performance in the Tata Steel tournament was that he plays so naturally at the moment. It's like it's not a big deal. You know, it feels as though he's just in the flow. Um, you know, when he had already won the tournament with a round spare and he, well, he, I mean, he could have just halved out or, you know, played very quietly or whatever, but he just kept pressing, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't some kind of do or die thing. He just kept pressing, just kept playing. It's like, oh yeah, it's another day at the office. Oh yeah. You know, it just, nothing feels like a big deal for him. Gets a bad position. Oh, just keeps playing. Keeps playing good moves. He gets Anand. I mean, mostly he didn't get bad positions. But, um, yeah, it just feels so natural at the moment. And and he has to be the clear favourite. You just look at his live rating. You know, 28.42 compared to Ding, who must be the number two seed. Yes. Ding, 28.05. Now, that is a chunk. That is a chunk ahead so he's fabi has to be the number one seed yeah and he's got the experience and the killer instinct so yeah yeah even yeah, at, yeah even at 45 percent, i think that would not not be a bad bet <laughs> um yeah uh okay next up uh grandmaster anish giri from the netherlands 25 years young 2763 rating world rank uh currently number 11 Although, of course, he's been higher, the the champion of Twitter. Uh, what what can you tell us about uh, Grandmaster Geary, Daniel? Well, as I said, it feels as though this has been his focus in qualifying for the candidates over the past two years. He didn't play in 2018 in the Berlin candidates. He, well, he wasn't so far off qualifying then. Um, but it feels as though this has been his focus. When he had... You know, he managed to get this high rating in January 2019. And basically, he has nursed this rating. Uh, you know, he played by the rules, and you can't blame him for that. Um, and that's how he qualified. But I think, you know, when it means so much to him, um, he's, you know, he's been preparing for this for such a long time. You know, I his result in the Tata Steel tournament, for example, in January, I mean, I think it's completely irrelevant. Um, it just showed that his mind was on the candidates. Right. No, nothing more. He's not going to give any prep away. Um, although he's rated number 11 in the world, I think he has a decent chance. And the reason I say that is that very often these candidate tournaments, the winning score is not very high. You know, over a 14-round tournament, we're not... You know, we're not talking 10 out of 14. It could be that plus three wins the tournament. It's possible. You know, eight and a half, maybe maybe nine out of 14 could win the tournament. Now, in those circumstances where Anish is very hard to beat, as we know, and he nicks wins off players, you know, I'm thinking back to Vichy's performance in 2014. Well, he did something similar. Vichy nursed his wins over the entire tournament and, you know, made solid draws and then, you know, scored another win. Suddenly he was on plus three. Um, and basically the other players took points off each other. 
you know, it could happen if things go right for him. So I would not um, dismiss uh, Anish Giri's chances at all. Yeah, we know he'll be incredibly prepared. Um, so it's just a question of when he gets those chances, can he convert them and will it be enough? Um, well, I'd say, you know, he's been working at that. And, um, yeah, very tough guy. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, and did I say his odds are 8% uh, according to Unibet? Really? Yeah. Do you know what? I think, well, as, as I said, I'm not a gambling man, but 8% sounds ridiculously low odds to me. High odds, low odds. You yeah, know, you know what I'm saying. Well, as as Kari Christensen would point out, that means that someone, if he's underpriced, someone has to be overpriced. I won't, I won't put you on the spot, but just just a just a friendly reminder. Um, okay, but that means okay. I'm just trying to understand gambling here. Yeah, you, this is an education. Thanks, thanks, thanks for chatting, Ben. Uh, <laughs> but, but this okay, eight percent odd, odds mean that basically, if they if he ran the tournament a hundred times, he would win eight of them. That's right. Yeah. It, that to me sounds like not a bad bet. Yeah, it does. It does sound low for someone who's been number three in the world, young, exactly. y- young enough to, uh, you know, twenty five, still, still on the upward, to, upward slope. Um, yeah, um, definitely. Oh, so it, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Okay, so, uh, oh, so next- I just want to add. Sorry, just one final thing. Of course. It's just that over the last couple of days, um, he seems to have been a little bit more active on Twitter. Yes, he does. Um, like, you know, nothing for a long time. And suddenly he's active again. And I thought, okay, this is a guy who's pretty relaxed. Just saying. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Um, not active on Twitter is our our next uh, participant, Grandmaster Alexander Grishuk. Although, of course, I wish he were active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russian, age 36, uh, oldest player in the field. Uh, rating 2777. Uh, current uh, world rank number four. Uh the people's champion, as our friend GM Jan Gustafsson said in uh, the Chess 24 previews, which I also highly recommend. Uh, and Unibet odds for Grandmaster Grishuk are 12%. Mm. Well, okay. I I find Grishuk, you know, a fascinating player. He's he's kind of a compelling player. You never quite know what you're going to get with him. And, and that randomness, of course, is a lot of that is down to his, his time pressure. Um, but his style of play as well, where he's striving so hard to to achieve something from a position. Um, but still, because he's a bit erratic, I find it hard to believe that, uh, I, I mean, 12%, maybe that's low, I don't know. But I would put Geary's chances of winning better than Grishuk's. Okay. Yeah, and again, I, I really enjoyed. In addition, I've been watching your preview, and I also enjoyed the the series that Chess Twenty Four did, where uh, Grandmasters Laurent Fresnay, uh, Jan Gustafsson, and Peter Hein Nielsen discussed the players. And I found the one about Grushek. Of course, he's uh, always an object of fascination to me, uh, mm. me, and a lot of other chess players. Um, and they they just had some interesting insight about uh, Peter Hein Nielsen was saying that Grandmaster Grushek is really a sportsman. Uh, even as compared to the other players. So he kind of, he might coast sometimes in some events, but then in the largest scale events, he really brings it and he goes all out to win. He takes chances if he needs to. Um, well, that's, that's very interesting, actually. Yeah, no, I, I get that. 
Um, he's he's prepared prepared to gamble in that way. I mean, yeah. he's a poker player, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, is so he any he, good at poker? Uh, well, word on the street is he's amazing. Is that he was world class? Um, he he as he does in chess, he kept a low profile, so he wasn't um he wasn't doing a lot of interviews. He tried to keep his online screen name under wraps, but uh, he he was he was quite a poker player from what Peter Svidler and others in the know have said. Yeah. No, he's a funny guy. And I think he's kind of a bit of a one-off, you know, he, it's clear that he's slightly, um, well, how can I put it? Digital phobic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he barely knows how to, how to operate a, a smartphone. He, um, you know, he hasn't got an online presence. It just doesn't interest him basically. Um, and I find that very appealing, frankly, as you know, as a dinosaur myself. Hmm. I find it appealing as someone who can't put my phone down. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I know the feeling. Yeah. Um, okay. Next up is Grandmaster Wang Hao, thirty-year-old from China, rated twenty-seven sixty-two, number twelve in the world, um, and Unibet gives him five percent chances of winning the tournament. Okay, again, I don't know what to make of the the, the odds, but I really like Wang Hao as a, as a person. Um, he's a bit spaced out. <laughs> um, he's kind of in his own world. He's got this sort of very nice, gentle humour. Um, I remember chatting to him at a tournament a few years ago, and he said, "Oh yeah, I've I've spent a fair bit of time in Japan. I really like manga and." He was was he even writing something on manga or doing some kind of university study? I, maybe I've got that completely wrong, but he's sort of you know interested in other cultures, and I I find that interesting in itself. And he was almost kind of surprised when he qualified um, through through the the Fide Grand Swiss uh, tournament in in the autumn. He, he really was taken by surprise. You know, when we were interviewing him afterwards. He said, "Oh God, yeah, I guess I'll have to put a team together, something like that." And and something he said, "Oh blimey, yeah, we'll have to." Well, he didn't say blimey, but um, <laughs> that would be funny. He, he um he said, "Yeah, well, recently I've just been I haven't really been concentrating on my chess. I've been, you know, teaching a few players. I have my pupils at home. Um, it was like." total accident that he qualified <laughs> and that's incredible you know world ranked number 12 yeah. video game enthusiast um yeah yeah I, yeah what well, kind of all things you know he's a bit of a a, a japanese file oh is uh, he sorry i didn't know that yeah yeah i spent some time in japan and, and i believe he's been been preparing there before the the tournament. Oh right, yeah, that's where they said he's coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The... So I just find that interesting that he's he's into different things apart from chess, and you know he's very seems to be very phlegmatic, um, but when he clicks at the board, he is a fantastic calculator and attacker. He has a real instinct for attack. Now, how that works out against some of these top players i don't know you know they've seen it all um but on his day he you know he locks and loads and just bang he is amazing he really is and, and a really exciting player 
So again, I think we have a player who's very unpredictable, actually. Yeah, I agree. And he he seems a little less invested than some of the players, which, you know, on the one hand can make it seem like, okay, he's he's not as dangerous. But on the other hand, it can it can be dangerous. Uh, it can be dangerous not not to care as much. Yes, certainly. I think, you know, a, a, a loose cannon, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I, I find it hard to describe um, him as a loose cannon, considering his personality, because he's very gentle. He's a very nice guy, you know, a little bit shy, um, sort of very modest, um, very, just a very likable character, I have to say. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, you know, the more we talk about it, I really like this field. I mean, I know some people feel like it should just be players two through nine in the world playing in the mm-hmm. candidates, but I like the the, the diversity. Um, yes. Okay. I also, I mean, sorry, just coming back to Wang Hao, we should mention, of course, this is uh, one of the two Chinese players in the tournament. And that in itself, I find really intriguing that suddenly, well, Ding played, we'll get on to Ding in a second, but Ding played in the candidates in 2018. Um, first Chinese player ever to do so. And now we've got two Chinese players. I mean, this really is an extraordinary achieve- achievement for these players, actually. Yeah. And Ding, Ding Loren is actually next on the list. Um, 27-year-old, also from China, as as you say, uh, rated 28.05, number three in the world um, from from all interviews and everything I've heard. Just an incredibly nice and likable guy and a, a monster at the chessboard. Yeah, very likable guy. He, there's, but compared to Wang Hao, there is something very steely about Ding. Now, you know, he's he's very, when you hear him interviewed, he's very objective very modest, um, but kind of tell, you know, he tells it as it is, you know, he's, he's a, a, a different, a different kind of animal to Wang Hao completely. And I find that contrast really interesting. There was, I saw this interview um, on Chess Base India with uh, Saga Shah and Wang Hao, where um, they were asked about their, he, Wang Hao was asked mm-hmm. about their relationship. And he said, well, I'm not really, Wang Hao, you know, very disarming. He said, well, I'm not really friends with him. Um, personally, as a, as a, you know, as a, as a chess professional, I don't find that, I don't find that particularly surprising. I think, you know, you can be colleagues. Um, but then he said, what well, after that was more interesting. He said, you know, when we play cards or something, ding, he always wants to win. Yeah. <laughs> he really cares about it. He said, I'm not bothered. Um, and, and that says something about their personalities. You know, Ding is so determined, so, you know, he's ferocious. He fights. And I, and I think, you know, if you think of that 100-game streak he had without losing, uh, I think that says a lot about him. He is so determined. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's why, you know, he is where he is in the world. And, yes, number two seed in this tournament but he has a very serious chance. Give me the odds. Yeah, 28%. 28%. That sounds ludicrously low to me. <laughs> <laughs> See, but you're doing the thing where, okay, I mean, you did sort of imply that maybe Grishik is moderately um, 12% might be might be a sell at 12%. But um, yeah, it's hard because it feels like everyone could win. But And I have heard, you know, I've of course been talking to, to many 
uh, strong players um, about this event leading up to it. And most people do seem to rate things slightly higher than 28%. Um, yeah, I so, would say so. I'm, I so mean, you only... could... Sorry. I was just going to say you could take Fabian Ding um, at at like seventy five percent and or seventy three percent and then bet against the field um, for those actually interested in gambling. But uh, okay, uh, <laughs> no comment from Grandmaster King. Um, well, no, I, well, no, I just it's it's the thought of um, yeah, I just don't really understand. Yeah, so. I mean, I I love this stuff, and honestly, I couldn't I couldn't really find a bet. I I'm nothing's nothing jumped out to me um uh okay well it seems seems to me that that the best odds at the moment are kind of um geary at eight percent yeah ludicrously low to me but anyway okay um and next up is uh 29 year old russian grandmaster jan nepomnichi uh number five in the world rated 2774 and his chances are according to unibet 11 percent yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of that. We've got another very unpredictable player who is... I almost feel that sometimes he's his own worst enemy. He often plays so quickly. He makes big decisions really, really quickly, um, which can sometimes blow players away, you know, no matter what their strengths. We know, of course, that he's beaten Carson in the past. Um and he's a very interesting player to watch because he's dynamic. He's If you compare him with, let's say, Alexienko, who to me has a much more formal style, Nepo is prepared to play unorthodox moves, and that's what makes him very exciting, actually. Yeah, if you could uh, somehow... Mm-hmm average out the the time management issues of uh of Nepomnichi and Grishuk um and just make yeah. them make them both good time managers you know they kind of skew in the opposite directions um yeah it'd be quite dangerous but yeah i mean he's another one who uh not the favorite for a reason but hard to discount him although i was actually i should have known this but i was surprised he's 29 he he always strikes me as younger uh yeah i don't know really he's been I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, I don't really think of him like that. He's been around on the scene for a, for a pretty long time. You know, his results for for the Russian team are excellent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's more erratic. Yeah. And, and and that's sometimes in tournaments he bombs out. He really does. So, who knows? You know, it's a very <laughs> long. It's a very long tournament, and you might find that, you know, someone maybe starts badly, but, you know, we saw in Berlin how people came and went and faded and um, suddenly someone puts in a streak at the end. And so it's hard to rule anyone out, really. I'm probably contradicting myself all the way through this interview. (laughs) It's hard not to, yeah. But but I find it really difficult and and also very exciting when you get these players that, um, you know, we don't quite know what we're going to get from them. Yeah, I'm excited just just talking about it. It makes me more excited for this tournament. I mean, chess history in the making. This is this is what we wait for. Mm. Uh, only days if, away. If I look at his results over 2019, so Zagreb Grand Chess Tour, five and a half out of eleven. Okay, nothing nothing special. Dortmund 2019, four out of seven. 
Hmm, okay. Sinkfield Cup, 2019, five and a half out of 11. But if you look, lots of decisive games. Right. And that in itself is, it's a kind of, you know, randomizing thing. He's, he's not afraid to really go for it. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like momentum does, does exist in chess. Of course, there've been uh, studies back and forth about uh, to the extent that momentum exists in, in sports like basketball, but in chess, when you get ahead of steam, your confidence gets up and you start pressing a little more and, you know, funny things can happen, but. Well, I think, you know, you see momentum in all all sports. I mean, the sports I'm, I'm really into, I'm really into football, that soccer that is. Um, And you see it in, in football all the time. Um, tennis actually tennis i've always thought that actually tennis as it's a a one-on-one sport is a better comparison um or you can compare more easily with chess actually because you see that in the matches between the top guys you know Djokovic and federer and nadal and well uh, murray a few years ago those those guys their matches are incredible and then that ebb and flow and suddenly you see a player break and they crack in fact, maybe it's more evident with one of those top guys and players who are a bit below them. And you see it somehow, you know, it gets into a third set or, or sometimes the fifth set decider and, and a player breaks and they've just gone psychologically. And I think, you know, we see that happen in, in a game of chess as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think part of a lot of I've, I've noticed a lot of top chess players are fans of tennis, including I think the the last person we'll be discussing um, Maxime Vachir-Lagrave, uh, of course, late entrant, as we already discussed, 29-year-old from France, rated 2767, which is currently number eight in the world, although, of course, he's been higher at times. Um, and Unibet places his odds at 14%. Okay. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> okay, what am I going to say? It sounds no, like I, a I buy, like right? It. 14%, that seems low. <laughs> I just haven't got a clue by this stage. I really am. <laughs> um, I mean, what I will say is that this is, it feels, okay, we're, we're back to betting analogies, but it feels like a free roll to him, to me. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, because he's such a late entrant, hasn't had the time to prepare like the others, uh, that actually a lot of the, you know, there's not so much pressure on him. It would be really surprising if he won. Um, but, you know, there are, uh, well, instances in in sport of such things happening where a team has has won through. Now, there's a famous one in football where in the European Championship now, I think it was 92, I should be looking up online, I think it was 1992 in the European Championship, that because of the civil war in Yugoslavia, basically Yugoslavia withdrew from the European Championship. Football, I just want to remind everyone, this is football. And Denmark took their place. And Denmark ended up winning the tournament. Now, Denmark, a fine football team, (laughs) but certainly not favourites to win the European Championship. Um, And I think basically they went in with, just looking up now, um, they went in, with absolutely no pressure on them and succeeded in winning. And yes, let me see. Uh, yeah, they beat Germany 2-0 in the final. There we go. 
my memory hasn't didn't deceive me. So it can happen. And well, Maxime is such a nice guy. If it did happen, you know, good luck to him. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, Peter Hein Nielsen himself, uh, uh, the strongest Danish chess player, immediately on Twitter when when MVL was confirmed as a participant, mentioned uh, mentioned this uh, historic football comparison. Mm. And I think you mentioned uh, in in your video preview of uh, Maxime Vasilegrav on on Power Play Chess uh, that he has a slightly more narrow repertoire. Um, yeah, and that. Uh, that makes life interesting because, you know, if you play into, let's say, against his Nidorf or against the Grunfeld, you kind of you you know you've got to roll your sleeves up and you know you're in for a fight and you better be well prepared, <laughs> otherwise you could be in massive trouble. But then again, it makes it easier to target him. So it's really hard to to call this one how he's going to do. I, and often, you know, I found that, well, people will sidestep those main lines and, you know, dodge a big punch uh, and try to catch him out that way. It, it's really hard. I remember, in fact, there was a, it was in Beale, I think it was in 2013, where I was commentating. And, in fact, Etienne Bacot, who's one of Maxime's seconds, was playing. They were both playing in the tournament. And it was after one of the rounds and I, you know, I, I was chatting with Etienne and he said, oh, I've got Maxime tomorrow. He said, he said, oh my God, I've, I've got, I've got an evening to try and refute the Grunfeld. <laughs> and, and, you know, he just, just kind of shaking his head. He said, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, Maxime knows everything about the Grunfeld. Now, listen, these, for, for these guys, it's, it's a bit different. Um, but still, they have that dilemma. Do they play into supposedly one of his strengths or do they avoid it? Uh, it's really hard to say. Yeah. And, and I've seen some people saying, you know, he didn't have time to, to prepare. But I mean, that cuts both ways because people haven't, haven't had time to prepare for him. And as you, as you allude to, the fact that he has a more narrow repertoire probably means that he, he knows it, as you say, so well to begin with that if he's going to venture it, I mean, he may be reasonably on top of um, the latest developments in the opening anyway. So, mm. yeah, it'll be fun. Definitely an, an interesting wrinkle. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as I said, uh, Maxime, he's a very likable character. You know, he's unassuming. Um, he's got a nice sense of humor. And, well, it, it'll just it'll be great to have him in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, each each potential uh world championship challenger would be would be interesting in its own way but um, yeah. i know yeah. maxime seems to have a lot of fans amongst the the elite in the world um that yeah yeah that's that's true actually that's interesting you know it's it's hard not to like him you know magnus has in the past you know said that well, somehow you know they get on well he, i think you know people get on with maxime he's he's you know a very agreeable guy and just a really nice guy all around, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Well, we're out of participants, Daniel. Okay. <laughs> now you can. Yeah, now you can ask me who's going to win. <laughs> well, are you willing to venture? Are you? Will you make a prediction? Uh, well, I'm. I'm afraid I'm just going to be really, really boring. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's hard <laughs> not to be. 
Yeah, yeah Fabi. He's the number one seed. But as uh, well, I've had an education today in in odds. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Um, but yeah, he's got to be number one seed. Basically, he's he's got to be the favorite. Yeah, tough. Yeah. Tough to bet against him, even though there might Definitely. be some good bets sprinkled in. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so you'll be announcing uh, for FIDE with Grandmaster Judith Polgar and Grandmaster Evgeny Maryshenko. Is that right? That's that's correct. Yeah. So um, I'm heading off in a couple of days. And, uh, well, let's, let's see what happens. Excellent. Well, Daniel, I'm happy that you that you'll be covering it. Couldn't ask for a better announcer and, and uh, obviously so excited for this event. Thanks very much. Okay, thanks so much, Daniel. Uh, Safe travels, and we will be watching you. (laughs) Thank you. See you. Thanks to everyone who helps make Perpetual Chess possible. That includes my producer, Matthew Passy, for his timely and capable editing, Chessable.com for their generous support of the show. But I also want to thank everyone who helps spread the word about Perpetual Chess, whether it be by telling a friend, writing a positive review on Spotify or YouTube, or we could use some new reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you're enjoying the show, please write a quick review. It helps spread the word about Perpetual Chess. But most of all, I want to thank the people who support the show financially people who donate via PayPal or Patreon really help me continue to sustain and grow Perpetual Chess. And those who donate more than $5 a month get their name or entity's name read on the outro. That's about to happen right now. So I would like to give special thanks to the following people and entities for their generous support of Perpetual Chess. They are Chessable.com, Quality Chess Books, The Capital City Chess Club, The Apprentice Twitch Channel, Andrew Bach, Austin Clough, Benjamin Porto, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, Dan O'Hanlon, Danny Davidson, David Schreiber, I am Dimitri Schneider, Faraz Sawaf, Gary Foreman, Greg Natel, Greg Shahadi, Guven Manet, Jens Green, John Jernigan, John Rockefeller, John Cromarty, John MacArthur, Kelly Palmer, Kevin O'Callaghan, Lone Pine Chess, Lorraine DeRay, Lucio Casada Silva, The Law Offices of Stuart Katz, Michael Kahn, FM Michael Oblin, Mike Zelazny, Moonmaster 9000, Moonmaster, we need a question from you. Is everything okay? We need you to send in a listener question. Peter Sadi, Reuven Fisher, Seattle Chess Club, Thomas Stonix, Thomas Tachenko, Todd Bryant of Strong Chess, and Todd Kennedy. I would also like to thank the following Rook-level supporters. They include Aaron Wafflar, Ace Viega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, FM Andre Terakov, Andrew Perry, Anidi Deer, Better Chess Training, Bill Juniper, Bill Moran, Brad and Andy Rosen, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Mullis, Chad Hilton, Dr. Charles Snodgrass, Chris Flanagan, Chris Wayne Scott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Shabri, Chris Lott, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, a.k.a. Chess Explain, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Courtney Fry, David Bleskachak, Daniel Gell, Daniel Ginsburg, Daniel Lucas of the U.S. Chess Federation, Daniel Naylor, Dave Saylor, David Cramley of Chessable.com, Dwayne Edmonds, Ethan Smith, I am elect or possibly not I am elect. I don't know if Three Norms makes him an I am elect. Donnie Ariel. Fox Valley Chess Club, Francis Letarte Lavoie, Frank Tortoris MD, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Geert Vandervelt, Gerard Barta, Giovanni Russo, Han Schut, Harish Srinivasan, Jacques Perry, James Aspinwall, James Banastia, James Murr, Jason Anfang, 
Jason Woolham, Jadeep Chakrabarty, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, Jerry Wells, JJ Stranod, Dr. John Fallon, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman, John Jeffrey, John McMurtry, Jordan Goodwin, Jose Rodriguez, Justin Gardner, WGM Jen Shahadi, Joel Rocky, John Thompson, GM Josh Friedel, I am Kare Christensen, WGM Katarina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, I am Kostya Kovutsky, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Larry Ryforth, Laura Bojowski, Martin Knudsen, Matthew Passi, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, Mechanics Institute Chess Club of San Francisco, Michael Allard, Miguel Araspide, Mike Clem, Mr. Mike Shahadi, Nate Salon, Neil Bruce, Olaf Mueller Michaels, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passy Passaman, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Randy Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Richard Hallenbuck, Roy Yearwood, Ryan Berg, the Say Chess YouTube channel, Scott Doherty, Scott McKinnon, Sebastian Finsterwater, Stefan Roller, WGM Tatia Vabrahamian, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Tom Edsel, Tomas Komanich, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Wayne Beam, William Brock, William Juniper, William Hogarth, William Peterson, FM Zhao Jang of Chess1000.com, and Zhivko Stoyanov. Thanks, as always, for listening and interacting with the Perpetual Chess community, and I will catch you guys next week. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.